this day. We thank you for the love that you have for us, uh, Lord, for the, the love that never fails. 
Lord, we just uh, want to lift you up today. We want to praise you. Uh, we pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All throughout history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. Winter storms make way for spring, and every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my
unravel me with the melody and you surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a Yeah. 
Good morning again. Let's turn in your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 4, beginning a section. We're going to be here a little while. Uh, not next week, but the week after is communion. So other than that, uh, three or four weeks, we're going to be here in Matthew chapter 4, the uh, Satan's temptation of Jesus. A lot to learn, a lot to see, and a lot to hear, a lot for the Lord to show us. There's a reason that uh, this is recorded uh, interesting, isn't it, that uh, Jesus had to tell, Matthew records this, Mark does, and Luke does. The only way they could know is for Jesus to tell them because none of the disciples were there. And so Jesus recounts this story to his disciples and they've written it down for us to see. There's a lot to learn. Matthew 4, 1, um, Jesus has just been baptized. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit. Uh, so... This begins the, the temptation. And we're just going to look at verse 1 today. We won't re actually get, there are three temptations, and we'll get to those in the weeks to come, Lord willing. Uh, the title of the message today is Trust and Obey. You see the wilderness there and the bread, that's probably the most famous of the temptations. Turn this stone to bread. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Now look at the verse carefully as we begin. Also, uh, there's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. You like to use that. And I'm just going to say out loud what often happens every week, not necessarily every week, but I just want to make this really known. First part of the message, down to the last paragraph on your outline, it's just simple Bible teaching. The last paragraph is a message, okay, a message that I believe the Lord wants to say to you through me. I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm not, I'm not ashamed about, about that. But there's something that I think the Lord wants to say specifically to you today on this date, this time. Uh, we'll get to that from in the, the last 
paragraph. Until then, we're just going to look at what the Bible says about uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then. Then means after. Uh, therefore, so after Jesus was, after baptism, after that, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he wasn't tempted by the devil until the Spirit led him there. I'm going to come back to that and come back to that. And the Bible comes back to this and comes back to this. The Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. Say, so is that how it works? Apparently. Yes. Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. Why would God do, why would the Spirit, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Well, we're going to look at what the Bible says about that. I mean, does it still work like that today? I think so, yes. This is a, this is a, a biblical instruction on how this satanic temptation works. Okay? The Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. If you're looking at your, at your outline, though, what I want to do, and this isn't on the screen, just, just real, real quickly, if you have an open Bible... Uh, chapter 3, verse 17, the last verse of chapter 3. We just read chapter 4, verse 1. The last verse of chapter 3, 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That happened at Jesus' baptism. The Father, as the Holy Spirit, led Jesus to be baptized. The voice was heard from heaven. So you've got the Spirit, the Father, the Son, and people heard the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's a high point. When you hear God speak from heaven, and everybody else hears God speak from heaven, and he says to you, you are my beloved Son, you're my beloved child in whom I am well pleased, if that's not a high point in your life, I don't know what is. So we go from, the point I want to make here is we go from probably like the high point in Jesus' uh, earthly work to probably what is close to the low point in his earthly work. If you're looking at your outline, uh, then so that phrase, success is sometimes our greatest, our greatest challenge. Success is sometimes our greatest challenge. Sometimes the greatest challenge. When you're going through a difficult temptation, a difficult time, that's obvious. This is difficult. This is tough. But sometimes we lose that uh, during the successful times when everything seems to be going well, you know, and, and I, could, I could ride that horse to death. You know what success is. You know what having a good day is. You know what the, everything just going pretty well is. Say, so, well, I wish I had that more. Well, we all do. But that is sometimes why? Because, you know, we forget. Wait a minute. The devil's always, usually, constantly at work, trying to find a way, trying to find. And sometimes it's the successful times that we are not as watchful. I think that's the way I want to say it. It's during the, the successful times that we're not as watchful 
maybe we're tricked into thinking, okay, I've got this. I'm, I'm doing well. I've learned how to do this, you know. Well, be careful. Okay, I'm gonna, as we go through the Bible teaching part, I'm not going to stay a long time at each one, but just, to, just some things for you to note, okay, and keep notes of. But success is sometimes our, our greatest challenge. Beware and be careful when everything is going well with you, okay? Enjoy it, enjoy it, but be careful. Don't lose your watchfulness. The uh, scripture we just read, chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the, of the devil. Uh, Job chapter 1, verse 8, Old Testament verse, obviously, the story of Job, a long, complex story, but very insightful on what's going on. And this story maybe was written by Job, but maybe not. We don't know that. But here's some things going on in chapter 1 of Job, almost the whole, the whole chapter. Job doesn't even know what's going on. And so God and Satan are having a conversation. Job chapter 1 is very insightful. God and Satan are having a conversation about Job. I mean, it works like that? Well, apparently, yes. So God and, and Satan are having a conversation about Job. Then the Lord said to Satan, now, I don't know if the I don't know if the devil even knew who Job was. I don't know. But the Lord said to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And the devil meant, "I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should. That there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man, who fears God and shuns evil." I don't know. So God brings it up. Interesting, isn't it? That's how it works. God brings it up. Because God's going to do something here using the devil. I wonder, this is just my wondering. We read, if you're looking at an open Bible, we read there chapter 3, verse 17, the baptism of Jesus and the voice, this is interesting, the voice from God, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't know what the devil knows. And I thought about this message a lot. I, I knew it was coming. I've thought about it a lot. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this really isn't different from any other week. There's so much more I don't know than I do know. And that's true. There's so much more I don't know than I do know. There's a whole lot about what God's doing and what the devil's doing that I don't know. But just thinking of it in this way, verse, the last verse of chapter 3, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the father speaking to the son. Two of the temptations, the first one especially, we're not going to read through, but it, you probably have, and I, and I encourage you to read ahead, look, look ahead and think ahead. The temptations are if you are, the Son of God. Where'd the devil come up with that? Well, he just heard. It could be, the interesting, if the devil's kind of sneaking around at the Jordan River watching John the Baptist baptize, which is, you know, that's not a stretch of the imagination. The devil's just kind of in the crowd, sneaking around, sniffing around, 
uh, how did Peter put it? The devil is like a, like a roaring lion walking about. So he's at the Jordan River watching John the Baptist baptize. And here comes Jesus. Does the devil understand who Jesus is completely? I don't know. And we're going to get into that more. But as he's at the Jordan and seeing, watching Jesus be baptized, devil looking at that, interesting, interesting. What's going on here? And he hears the father say, this is my beloved son. Huh, interesting. And so the temptation of Jesus revolves around that. If you are the son of God. So the devil's just walking around, sniffing around, seeing what he can do. And uh, Job chapter 1 verse 8 is almost exactly like Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. The Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In Job chapter 1 verse 8, God and Satan are having a discussion. Job doesn't know anything about it. Have you considered my servant Job? You know why God asked Satan that? Because Satan hadn't. God's not going to ask him that if he already had been. Huh. Interesting, the devil said. That's interesting. Maybe I should consider your servant Job. And God says, go ahead. I'm doing something here. I'm doing something here. And I'm going to use you, Satan, to get my work accomplished. Does God do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. God is a master at taking evil. And turning it into good. Or we couldn't even be saved. God's a master at taking evil. And turning it into good. Now the devil's doing his best to take good. And turning it into e evil. But God is the master. At taking what's bad. Making it good. Taking what's e evil. And making it, making it pure. God re reforms and transforms. Like nobody else can. And he, and he does that. By allowing. And how, however you want to say that. By allowing Satan to do his work. And God takes it. And transforms it into good. That's why those of us who are in Christ today. Say yeah that's me. That's me. God took me and did that. He's uh master at that Job chapter 1 verse 8 now next phrase where God sees tests the devil sees temptation the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to test him the devil saw that and he takes that opportunity to tempt him there's a difference God is testing you never forget, you've probably heard me, um, there's no way I'd ever tell you a name, but a man came up to me after church, mad, which you can imagine, <laughs> I know it's hard to imagine, but a man came up to me after, after church and I talked about God testing you, and I'd use the story of Abraham, God testing Abraham. man came up to me, he's, he's mad, confronted me, he's about this tall, uh, said, hey, that's not right, God does not test us. I said, well, can you explain what I just preached? Can you explain what the Bible just said about Abraham and, and, and God? Tell you? Yeah, but that's Old Testament. God does not test us. Well, the guy's a lot bigger than I am. And so I've, uh, hey, fine. Let's just, and this is what I said. Let's just see how your week goes. <laughs> Let's just see how your week goes. 
I'm not going to fight you. I'll let God do that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating. He came back to me after church the next week. I thought, oh boy, here, here, here we go again. I don't have any idea what I preach. He said, I got to tell you, God does test us. I said, yeah, let's just see how your week goes. God tests. The devil tempts. Where God sees tests, the devil sees temptation. All in the same thing. Different sides using the same event. Different sides, good versus evil, using the same person. God sees tests. The devil sees temptation. Okay, Uh, James chapter 1. There'll be 2 through 4 and then verse 13. These are on the screen. My brethren, count it all joy. (laughs) You're not going to do it. You're not going to do this, but this is what the Bible says to do. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various various trials. Well, I'm going to try knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect, complete, which is mature, lacking nothing. Those are tests. Verse 13. James is a great book to read, especially chapter 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But he does test, doesn't he? Hey, if you don't believe it, I'm going to tell you what I told the other fella. Let's see how your week goes. Yeah, he does. And while he's doing it, the devil's tempting. And I want you to see, I'm only doing verse verse 1 today, because I want you to see this. As you go through the trials, the tests, the temptations, I want you to see the Holy Spirit working on one side. And I want you to see the devil working on the other side. I do not want you to be ignorant of what's going on here. I want you to see it. I want you to know it. That as God's at work through the power of his spirit leading you into things, Satan is using that opportunity to tempt you. As God is allowing tests in your heart to strengthen you, to mold you, to make you mature. And that's the only way the Bible says that you're going to grow up. is through testing. That's what the Bible says. That is how you grow up. You mature by testing. Well, I'm telling you that as you're doing, going through that, the devil is tempting you at the same time. I need you to see that. I want you to see that. Okay, they're almost always going on at the same time. So that's James chapter 1. Okay, Uh, changing the thought a little bit. Next line, next screen. The devil's hatred of Jesus and you is so strong, he cannot control himself. I've said this in different ways in my own mind, in my own head. I thought, is the devil really that dumb? I mean, when God leads him, considering my servant Job, he snatches at it. I mean, somewhere along the line, I think you would learn, whoa, wait a minute, if God recommended to me, maybe I need to back up, because it's not going to turn out well. It's not going to turn out well for the devil, ever. It's not going to end well. He knows that. He's read the back of the book. He knows how it ends. There's no scripture we're going to put on the screen that he doesn't know it by heart. 
but he doesn't get it. And I thought about it. I mean, is the devil that dumb? No, he's not that dumb. But there's something about him. And then I've, I realized that I've thought back the power of temptation. Have you seen it in yourself? Have you seen it in anyone else? They get so wrapped up in sin, they can't help themselves. I mean, almost literally, they can't help themselves. Have you ever been, I'm not a great fisherman, a fellow I was with in Mexico that we work with, he loves to fish. I said, the best way for you to not catch fish is to invite me to go with you, okay? You, he said, no, no. I said, no, other people have said that they could still catch fish and take me, but they found out that they can't. I'm terrible. I don't even like it. I'm sorry. I'm, I know that's almost a blasphemous statement there, but I don't, I don't even like to fish because I'm so terrible at it. But anybody that's fished any time at all, sometimes you, you ever caught the same fish twice? You throw the bait in, and, and he took the bait, and you got him up to the bank, and, but, he jump, he, but he jumps off, but he's still there. And you throw the bait in, and, and he gets it again. I mean, how dumb can a fish be? The devil's not dumb, though. What's, why is the fish dead? He can't, he can't stand it. That bait's right in front of him. He, he can't help himself. And he grabs the bait. I wonder how many times he would grab the bait. But that's because the fish is so dumb. All he thinks about, well, in that way, isn't that, isn't that how sin is? I'm not giving you an excuse. I'm not giving anybody an excuse. Oh, well, they, they can't help themselves. I'm, 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 I'm not like that. I don't teach that. I don't preach that. But I know the feeling. I, I really do. And, and I understand it. I can't help myself. Where sin is so strong. The addiction is a lot more than just... I know we hammer away, at, hammer away at addiction, but there's so much addiction that people don't see. So much bondage, that's the biblical word, isn't it? So much bondage that people don't see. It's almost like they can't help themselves. That's how the devil is. He lives that way. So, look at a couple of scriptures. You can see them on your outline. They'll, they'll be on the screen. Anyway, the devil's hatred of Jesus and you is so strong he can't control himself. Revelation chapter 12. If you want to read, this is the best chapter. This is the go-to chapter on the fall of Satan. Revelation 12. And Revelation 12 has nothing to do with chapter 11 and nothing to do with chapter 13. It's just in there almost like a side note. It has nothing to do with, tri with tribulation, rapture, the second return of Jesus. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's just a story about the fall of Satan. They're almost in the middle of, Rev of the book of the, the Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. Okay? A couple of verses I want, these, these are interesting to me. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore, uh, rejoice, O heaven. And it's an analogy, and the right John uses the analogy of, of a wom woman giving birth, and, and Satan hates the hates the, the woman so much and hates the child so much, and, and that's us. Then rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. That's me. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. He knows, but he can't help himself. Why? He's so angry. He hates you so much that he knows that 
He knows the end. He's read about the lake of fire. He's read about the chains. He knows that his time is short, but he can't help himself because he hates Jesus so much. He's going to tempt him in the, in the wilderness and maybe even knows this isn't going to work, but he can't help it because of his hatred and his anger. He's having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. One last verse, verse 17, and I like the way the Bible uses this word enraged. And the dragon, Satan, was enraged with the woman, who's an analogy of, of us and her children. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's me. Keep the commandments of God, do, doing my best, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's me. The dragon was enraged with the woman and her offspring. That's me enraged again same thing he's so angry at me because of who I am in Jesus it's almost like he can't help it here's an example of what I'm talking about this is the the proof of it Luke chapter 22 3 through 6 don't know if you've ever thought about this it seems like stupidity on Satan's part but it's not stupidity it's just he can't help himself Luke chapter 22 uh, Three through six, coming to the end of the book of Luke, getting Jesus is working his way to the cross to die on a cross for you and I. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. You all know that, right? So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him to them. So Judas did that. Uh, and they were glad and agreed to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to portray him, Jesus, to them in the absence of the multitude. How far am I supposed to go? That's where we stop. Does the devil not know what he's doing? So he betrayed, he, he entered Judas to betray Jesus so that Jesus would be nailed to a cross nailing the devil's fate. Does he not know that? And he does, through the story, he does everything he can to get Jesus on that cross. Set a guard on the tomb. And maybe that'll keep him in. Does the devil not know that? Is he that dumb? I don't think so. I think he just can't help himself. And so it is through the, the work of the devil that Jesus dies on a cross for you and I. Isn't that something? The very thing that he thought would defeat Jesus, the very thing that he thought would defeat you is your victory. Do you think that's changed? Not at all. The devil's going to beat me. No, he's not. If you hang on to Jesus, you can't lose. You remember that a few weeks ago? You can't lose. But hang on. Now, the devil doesn't, I don't, I, I think he knows it. He just can't help himself. He hates you so much. He wants to hurt you. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy if he can, and can at all possibly. Okay.
Think about those things. Just think about what the Word of God says, that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, both going on at the same time. Now, that's teaching from the Bible. I'm going to switch a little bit to, I'm going to call it a personal message, I believe, to First General Baptist right now, right here. And the next screen, this is our last screen. The devil did not take Jesus as far as he could go. Jesus took the devil as far as he could go. Jesus did not give up. The devil did. When you read the rest of this story, that's the result. The devil didn't take Jesus as far as he could go. Jesus took the devil as far as he could go. Jesus doesn't give up. The devil does. What's going on with you? What's been going on in your life? What's going on right now in your life? I think it was about Wednesday. Uh, I was walking, getting ready before we went to work. So I was up before sun up, walking. The Holy Spirit told me this just as plainly as maybe he ever has. This is not just a message for me. And it wasn't a message for people in Mexico, necessarily. And when I say not a message for me, not necessarily, just me. This is a message for us. For whoever would be here this morning. And so Wednesday in Mexico, I don't have any idea who's going to be here this morning. But here you are. Here's the message. This is for me and you. All of your anxiety, and I wrote it down just as it was told me to tell you. I've been sent here to tell you. All of your anxiety is unnecessary. All of your anxiety is unnecessary. You don't need it. It's not helping you. Who's in charge? Is the devil in charge? No. Is the devil wanting you to think he's in charge? Yes. Is the devil in charge? No. Who's in charge? Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge of this. Is the devil, no, devil going to win? No. Who's going to win? Jesus is in charge of this. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Then the devil does his thing. Who's in charge of all that? God's in charge of all this. God said to Satan, have you considered my... Who's in charge? God's in charge of all that. God's in charge of all this. God's in charge of all this. I can just say that over and over and it gets into your heart and into your soul. That's true. God's in charge of all this. All of your anxiety is unnecessary. Now, you can worry if you want to, but it's not helping you. It's unnecessary. It's not needed. All of your anxiety is unnecessary. Now, listen to the next line. There's only two lines. All of your effort, let me say it this way, all of your effort is unnecessary. You're trying to do it on your own. It's not going to work. 
You're worrying about it. That's not helping. And I know you've heard me say, I'm, I, I'm not going to be that guy. Say, oh, just don't worry about it. So I'm not saying it in a superficial, casual way. I'm telling you in a Holy Spirit way. That your worry and your anxiety is unnecessary. Why? Because God's in charge of this. All of your effort is unnecessary. Why? Because God's in charge of this. You are not needed. You are not needed by God. He does not need you. He does not need you to do His work. He doesn't need you to accomplish His will. Oh, well, that's not very... You are not needed. You are wanted. You are wanted. God does not need you. But He desperately wants you. He doesn't need you to accomplish His work. Your effort is unnecessary. Remember the title of the message? Well, what do we do then? What's the title of the message? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Well, what, what do we do? Trust and obey. Well, if, if he doesn't need me, if my efforts... Okay, that's true. He doesn't need you. Your effort is unnecessary. Until he tells you what to do, then you do it. Until he tells you what to do, you let him lead. He's doing it. And then even after he tells you what to do, you're doing it now. Why? If you obey him when he tells you what to do, now you're doing it in his power, in his strength. Until then, it's your power, it's your strength. You're, hey, I'm right here with you. You're, we're useless without him. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. All of your anxiety is unnecessary. All of your effort without the Holy Spirit working through it is unnecessary. You're spinning your wheels. It's not working. It's not going to. So what do I do? Give up. Give up. Jesus, I surrender. This, what's this? What, what is this? It, whatever it is in your life, whatever this is to you, Jesus, I surrender this. Jesus, I surrender him. Jesus, I surrender her. Jesus, I surrender them. This isn't a message just to parents. But if you, right now, I'm just telling you, if you're a parent, there's some times along the way you're going to be praying that. I surrender him. I surrender her. I surrender them. Because it's over my head. Jesus, they're yours. Jesus, they're, they are yours. Jesus, this is yours. You take it. You do something with it. Because I'm worrying it to death. And I'm trying to do something. And it's unnecessary. It's not working. Feels like the devil's in charge. Okay, turn that around. No, he's not. 
The Bible says, no, he's not. And you take that back and you give it to Jesus. The devil tempts. Jesus tests. And you're going through a test. Okay? Just say, yeah, yes, that's, that's me. I'm going through a test, but I'm giving it back to Jesus. Say, Lord, here, here this is. Okay? Sent here to tell you that. Musicians, if you'll come on up. Now we're going to pray about it. Now we're going to pray about it. Now we're going to give these things, these people, these things, these trials, these tests, give them back to the Lord and say, God, I can't do anything with it. I need you. We're going to sing a song again that we've already sung. We're going to sing Evidence. And while we sing the song and they play and sing, this is our prayer time. We encourage you, want you to come and bring your anxiety, your effort, and lay it there. Now, thought about this before church. I know how it is. Some of you are going to say, well, I did that last week. You know what I'm going to say? That was last week, wasn't it? A lot happens in a, in a week. Well, I did that last month. That was last month. How many times do we do that? However many times we need to. We need to do it a lot. Well, I went through that test. Yeah, I know, but that was that test. This is another one. Well, I've been through this and that. I know, that was this and that. This is another thing. This is different. This is this week. This is today. What's going on today? I'm going to encourage you to bring your anxiety, your worry, your effort, your effort. Lay it on an altar, on a seat. Say, God, this is yours. This is yours. You're in charge. Stand if you would. And while they sing, play, I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Lay it on an altar, lay it on a seat. Say, God, I give this to you. And all throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms make way for spring. I never see.